Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Routes, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, J.C. Cole, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between rural and urban America. You're not going to believe this, J.C. Big earth-shattering news this week on CNN. I don't watch it, but I had somebody send me a link. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. That could never happen. Do you know what CNN said this week might happen? Uh, I could take some guesses, but we want to keep this clean. (laughs) (laughs) Expect fuel shortages this summer. No. Yeah, there's no way that could ever happen, right? You don't think that they're listening in on us, do you? (laughs) No, I don't think so. I think they're trying to figure out how to persuade people to public lies. Uh, to qualify what they said, though, if you read the article, it's because there's a shortage of truck drivers. Well, I I would say, you know, there's so many links in the chain. Um, pay attention to it because I saw another article in um, <clears throat> uh, Zero Hedge that uh, the supply chain is, is starting to collapse. Surprise, surprise. And also that... Um, that there's another uh, attack on an oil tanker in the Middle East. So these guys are starting to throw around Molotov cocktails. Um, That's not good for us. You know, I think at some level, even people that like you and I think that at times we try to make a mountain out of a molehill, so to speak, and embellish the fact that nobody's reporting that this energy infrastructure is eroding right under our eyes and nobody but jc cole is talking about it and then this weekend you have a million people one million people a human chain that extended nine miles in london england no media outlet reported it and yet don't tell me it didn't happen i watched a very well done video, not narrated at all, just a video of people marching for freedom by Oracle Films. I suggest everybody spend six minutes and watch it. But JC, no media outlet reported that. Are you sure that's not the Brits lining up at a pub for a free beer? <laughs> oh, I'm not sure about that, except if that's the case, there's a lot of 10 year olds going into a pub for a free beer. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> it is, it is England, you know. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, again, um, you know, I had a contact um, that uh, was from the mysterious agencies and he said uh, that they're 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 concerned about uh, oil, basically an oil shortage. Mm -hmm. And 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 literally, as it comes back to you and I, you know, that wreaks havoc on agriculture. You know, we can get by on almost everything else. Um, you know, if the auto auto companies shut down, um, you know, we could make, get by for uh, years keeping our machines running. But right. when the farmers shut down, that's it. Well, uh, I'm just telling you, I'm fasting up. I've stolen your one gallon of diesel fuel produces 500, replaces 500 man hours of labor in food production. Right. I, I think you should get some volunteers to test that. I'll sit on the tractor for the one gallon of of diesel fuel, but get some guys out there in the field with some shovels. You know, the first time that this really um, hit my awareness, 
I don't remember the year, but it would have been about 2002. And it was what the United Nations called calls World Food Day, because apparently they think it's only important to celebrate food one day a year. And I was at a World Food Day summit at the University of Nebraska in Lincoln. There was an individual there, a lady. I do not remember her name. Doesn't matter. It represents her her thought process is what I want to talk about. And the then Secretary of Agriculture Mike Johans, who happened to be a Nebraska former governor, and he um, he was Secretary of Agriculture. He, he had been a part of producing this beautiful video that just showed how we've made progress in food production and how we've moved from those labor hand tooling hours to mechanized agriculture. And the lady got done at watching the video. Then she was the keynote address, by the way. And she said, well, that was a very well done uh, video. But I want to point out that that mechanization is the root of all evil in agriculture. And I was like, what? And then she goes on to say, yes, when we put combines in the field, we displace farm workers and it causes problems for families around the world. So she basically said that everything that fuel supplies in terms of energy to produce food efficiently is what's wrong with the world. And I will never forget that day. And I'll never forget how I felt after she said that. It was like a new awakening for me, JC. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, you know, part of our species are idiots. (laughs) But But, I wanted to. But but she has to. how, How does she. She represents a segment of the world's population that believes that. How how do they maintain that? Well, actually, I, I really don't want to know. <laughs> um, I'd that's rather a, that's a true story. That's a good one. Uh, I'd rather focus on um, you know making a you know on on how do we keep creating the food, and which leads me into a couple of things. One was you know you had an excellent uh, interview with uh, John Bolin. Mm-hmm. And I actually do watch occasionally um, the things. And and um, and uh, did you, you know? There's a little bit of a saying that to understand a person to look at his uh, bookshelf, right? And did you notice what was on his bookshelf? Uh, yes, he showed me the art of war. The, well, the art of war is one of them. And if you notice, um, a couple of people you you interview, like me or Doctor Ted. We keep on coming up with recommendations on the same book. Mm-hmm. I, I put in the art of war numerous times into into my articles, but also um, the rise of the Fourth Reich by Jim Mars. Oh, the one you um, told me to get and read that I haven't gotten and read because I haven't gotten my decent. Right. I, I, I also mentioned that you can find it someplace in Audible, <laughs> so that while you're doing those, those nine-hour drives, you can you can uh, listen to something. That's coming um, up next week. But more so, if you look behind John's uh, left shoulder, mm-hmm. you will see the Foxfire series. Oh, and that is a that was probably one of the first series of books on. Uh, let's just roughly call it homesteading. Originally, I think they came out about 1972 or three. My mom gave me Foxfire one when I completed my first survival course, and I was just like 16 years old. Um, and, uh, you know, I spent five weeks in the Wind River Range in, in uh, Wyoming. 
um, and all the way up to uh, um, the glacial, uh, um, camped on the glacier for a week. But, you know, when, when you look at that, um, what these guys are keep on coming back to is, is uh, learnings from others. And I wanted to, to, to kind of get to that because if you mem- remember I said, all you have to do is assume you're at war and then things start to clear up. And one of the parts of um, uh, Sun Tzu's is the supreme art of war is to subdue the enemy without fighting. And he actually mentioned it a, a few times. The greatest victory is that which requires no battle. And uh, supreme uh, excellence consists of breaking the enemy's resistance without fighting. How many Americans know that we're at war? Not enough. That's it. And then once you get at war, you start to look what's being attacked. Mm-hmm. And we have a full blitzkrieg, and the blitzkrieg came out of um, Hitler's Germany, of a full attack from all sides. So if you look, pretty much everything is under attack, and especially you're, you're very familiar with uh, land rights. That's just one one attack. Um, uh, they're attacking the certainly the food production. They're attacking um, the, 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 the currency. And now we, we started this with, well, look what's happening with oil. You know, if there's a shortage of diesel, that's, that's a real big problem. And, and certainly they attacked the school systems, um, you know, and, and you can just run down the list of we're under attack. And, and now they're, they're openly, openly coming out and attacking um, uh, different structures like look, just look at Portland and and the fights going on. You know, at, uh, well, you have to include attacking the police force as well. Correct. Yeah. Right? J C Cole, we will pick it up. I had no idea as a young mind he came to the Wind River Range in Wyoming. That's why he's so worldly. Now it all makes sense to me. Lone uh, Creek Cattle Company providing the opportunity to be a part of a brand of beef program. Get more details about the aspect of tender beef. Now, I know that marbling has been the driver, and I will say that marbling continues to be the driver in our advantage to marketing beef to the world. But from the U.S. and particularly domestic standpoint, if we can provide a consistently tender experience people will keep coming back that's exactly what lone creek has mastered with the piedmontese cattle your cows piedmontese bulls marlin will with details two hundred dollars per head premium over market details at lonecreekcattleco.com more jc cole after this welcome back to roll route trent loose alongside jc cole joining us from new jersey bringing to us a lifetime of wisdom, not only from the Wind River Reservation in Wyoming, also from 18 years in Lafayette as the Soviet Union is collapsing. I'm sure, though, JC, that Ulysses S. Grant never tried to find a way to disrupt the food supply or the uh, supply chain for the Confederate soldiers. That would have never happened. Not at all. No. Nope. No, military, military strategy 101, <laughs> right? You know, it's like, um, for those who don't know European history as well, um, uh, Napoleon, um, you know, pretty much kicked the crap out of most of Europe and, and actually um, got all the way to Moscow and captured Moscow 
and he was waiting for uh, capitulation from the czar. Mm -hmm. Well, right there, that doesn't happen with Russians. You, you, You don't understand how stubborn they can be. So what the czar did was he simply burnt all the fields around Moscow and destroyed the, the, the food source around Moscow. Um, well, too bad for the peasants. but And he starved Napoleon out. Um, and so, you know, it, it, it's always about food supply. And this was just stunning to me. You know, here we are in New, you know, the New York region, and our food is 2,000 miles away. That's the first time in history, you know, 2,000 miles away. Do you think our enemies know that? But by the way, when we talk about enemies, we tend to think about foreign entities. They're not always foreign entities. No, no. Actually, I think many of our wise leaders said the destruction of the United States will come from within. We have, excuse me, JC, we have a guy from New Jersey that continues to sit on the Ag Committee that doesn't even want agriculture to exist. You know, I, I don't know what to say except for just to identify and see that we have enemies within. Yeah. Um, and, and you, you know, while I see a lot of good patriots out there fighting the fight, and I keep on putting, you know, uh, you know, uh, like, like Robert, get in the fight. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, hey, guys, um, how long are you going to fight, you know, till, till the food runs out when, you know, you go to Wawa or Circle K and there's no more burritos? I I want to get in the fight, and I want people to get in the fight, but I try to be strategic. You have to be strategic when you're in the fight. You can't just go fighting. You have to know what you're trying to agree. accomplish. Agree, and and uh, totally agree. So so there are a couple of things. One is you know I wouldn't get necessarily get the entire book Sun Sun Tuz, uh, the Art of War, and read through it. Although I have, um, I I just get on the internet and read some of the the key right. key areas, but. You know, that's strategy. The whole book is strategy. Mm. And then the other thing is what I really recommend is that you invest in about 10 books because they're packed with knowledge. And and um, one of the books was written by a friend of mine who passed away. His name was Max Stein, and it's called When Technology Fails. And Matt had his uh, mechanical engineering degree from um, MIT. And would often practice um, um, meditation. And one day, the entire book was downloaded into his head, and it took him three years to to write it. But it's basically showing that that our entire world is based on technology, and it breaks, just like you and I experienced with be Lo- you know be mm-hmm. live today. Right, right. And and so, um, we we experienced this with, uh, let's say, a snowstorm hitting Texas and shutting down the entire state. And, you know, and that's a real, a real uh, scary issue when they shut down, what, 45% of the oil production in the United States? They did. And that was just for a week. So, so we have to look at how, um, uh, how we are positioned with technology and be able to have some forms of redundancy. Um, So last week when I was in Bismarck, I have to share this story because it was just too precious not to share in that context. Mike Nazi was a presenter at the Lignite Energy Council in Bismarck. He did a phenomenal job, and I have a short interview with him that I think is very telling. But during his presentation, he was talking about what was happening in Austin at the time. 
the legislature was meeting. They were looking into this power outage and what had what had happened. How did they screw up and this? And the advocates for alternative green energy were testifying in committee this the week that the first power outage happened. And they were saying, he said it was just so wonderfully timed. They were saying that what happened this week, earlier in the week, was just an uh, unusual occurrence of weather-related incidents. It will never happen again. And like on cue, the lights in Texas went out at the. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You don't, don't screw with the big guy. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He said it could not have been more perfectly timed. It just happened as they said, it'll never happen again. And boom, it happened again. And so it's like, Hey, here's your wake up call. Are you going to keep hitting snooze? Are you going to find a solution? Exactly. And, and so my driving force in the fight is to create a model where we can literally create millions of small farms Mm -hmm. that can run by themselves without the supply chain for at least a year. It's simple to do. It's just money and technology, you know, and for, and, you know, not to bring up our favorite subject of three years of diesel, but, but, but if you have diesel, you can run and you had a couple other pieces of equipment, your farm can run. You don't need anything from the exterior. And if we can, if our farms are running, our food is running. And with our food, we can solve all problems. Without food, we can't solve any. Mm -hmm. So I've contributed to this problem. And because as I've traveled the United States extensively in the past 20 years, I've learned that, you know, 80% of the produce that we grow in the United States Ignore what's coming in from Mexico. 80% of what we grow, we grow in the Salinas Valley in California. And it's because that growing climate, everything, the conditions. Now, the labor's an issue, but everything about that region grows produce very efficiently. And when things are going well, we can transport it to the other 49 states very efficiently, and it's no no big deal. And so we, I, I, I've sang that song. For a long time, JC, because it just made sense to me. It doesn't it make sense. it doesn't make sense when you have restrictions coming in in terms of the infrastructure of transportation. Yeah, it makes sense when it's move uh, when it's working well, when the gears are nice and oiled and everything works. But what happens with Americans is we have not had real difficulty for seventy years. Mm-hmm. And that's where my life was. You know, you, you'd say, okay, go out and get some gas. And they look at you like, where? You know, it, you know, you had to smuggle it in from Russia. Uh, <laughs> that certain things can be unavailable and that stops the machine. One of the classic examples was, um, when Fukushima happened and the tsunami uh, hit Japan, it wiped out production of many things, including alternators for Ford trucks. And because of the just-in-time delivery system, the Ford factory down there in Tennessee didn't have a lot of inventory on, on hand and had to stop production because of one part, right? Well, we can get by without having brand new Fords, well, at least a year or two, 
right? But we, we, we mm. cannot get by with this happening to our food. And if you look, our entire food production, you know, is, is positioned that way. JC, everybody's getting a little wake up call in their own way and they're not paying attention. Do you know how many times just in general business? Uh, well, I, I can sell vacuum cleaners right now, but I can't get a vacuum cleaner. I can sell whatever right now, but I, I got a waiting list of 84. Everybody in every segment, uh, household appliances, stoves, you tell, you, you name something, they all tell me that they don't have access to it like they can, they can, the demand is. Why don't people see that this is happening? Well, I think it's experience. You know, it's, uh, if, if you, if you ever have been in real, you know, like uh, fighting competition, like wrestling or, mm-hmm. or martial arts or boxing, you know, if you never saw the move before, <laughs> and I had mm-hmm. that experience. I was fighting a black belt, and he, he, he knew how to kick really well. And I never saw that move before, but my nose did find it. <laughs> why are you in fighting? Why, why are you ever fighting somebody? I don't understand that. I have to go to a break. Neogen. Okay is looking at the genomics, getting on the inside, looking at the DNA fingerprint of these animals. In fact, I want to show you what I have in my hands right here. This is my latest boar report. There is a list of 10 boars. I just accidentally have it because I'm studying the new list. There's 10 boars, young boars that I tested. Which ones am I going to use? Well, I'm going to use the ones that excel in meat quality, and I can look at what the maternal influence is going to be of their daughters. I can look at the terminal influence. I can look at the pH, the drip loss, the tenderness, all of that from this little report from Neogen and the Igenity business. Get more details. And by the way, it's beef month through the end of the month. You get a 20% discount if you say, Trent sent me. Neogen.com. More roll out after this. Welcome back, Rural Route, Trent Luce alongside J.C. Cole joining us from New Jersey, where he's beginning to think that he truly does live in a food desert, 2,000 miles so he can get a strawberry. Yeah. Okay, so for now coming on two months, I don't know how long you've been here, but maybe two months, you've thrown out that little bait about your vision on the future of the food structure, regional community, how do we do this? What, what exactly do you see happening? Well, my, my belief is that um, we have a, a very extreme shortage of farmers, and um, which means your value just went up exponentially. <laughs> can, um, can you tell Farm Credit that so that they'll quit calling me to make that payment? Right. And that doesn't work on your wife, so, so don't even try it. <laughs> <laughs> But, I've tried but, everything there. Don't worry. I know. Right. So, so what we need to do is for, to, in my view, <clears throat> is to create a small sustainable farm model, maybe about five of them that don't require a farmer. It requires management. And so that's like a McDonald's. That's what McDonald's did. They, they created a restaurant, but you don't have to be a restaurateur. You just have to do what it says. Now I'm not looking at food quality. I'm looking at how efficient McDonald's is. Mm-hmm. And so if you take a small farm, you. if you take a small farm and, and you design it where it has only certain, certain um, uh, uh, crops and certain animals and, and let's say hydroponics and you create it as, a, as a, um, a management system, then you can duplicate it really quickly. Most people don't know that once you, you know, when you're building McDonald's, once you get all your approvals from 
from um, the town and whatnot. It only takes 45 days. A team comes in and pops it up. So literally, we can create um, um, a, a massive amount of small, sustainable farms. And then there would be different models of it, like one that you'd only put into, let's say, a shopping mall. So you wouldn't have as much livestock, but you would have more on vegetables. And once you create that model, then, um, you know, you can you can change the entire uh, paradigm on investment into small farms. We need both small farms and large farms. And we need our all of our existing farms to be protected in case our supply chain collapses in some way, such as um, they, they have the ability to generate enough energy to fulfill their 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 tasks and that means storage of diesel and a few other things and so i'm working on the model on how to do that i'm I'm trying to create the first model duplicatable model for a mcdonald's of farms and that requires investment can we Uh, use a different franchise one that i like yeah well I, I I even don't like to use the word franchise because people already have this image in it. Right. But it's basically, you know, it's it's doing what Henry Ford did with the uh, the model the model A is you know to mass produce it. Um, and, you know, and, and he learned how to do that from who? I'm not sure. Who he, uh, he Augusta Swift, who well, put okay, in that's place two for you. <laughs> that, who put in place the? Uh, yeah, finally I get a point with JC Cole. <laughs> Uh, who put in place the uh, assembly line of yeah. of animal harvesting in Chicago. And Henry right. Ford found out about that, and he thought, why can't we make automobiles that way? Right. And and so there was another gentleman named William Levitt, and that's the one who I studied. William Levitt was um, – he was in World War II as a CB. These mm-hmm. are the guys that came in, and they would put up Quonset huts really quick and put in the landing strips really quick. And he came back and his father had a building company of houses and he came back and he basically created a um, assembly line of houses. And, and at that particular time, the, you know, United States government offered the GI bill, which offered basically a down payment. I mean, um, a, a, roughly a free mortgage to any veterans. So we had this boom in housing where if you're on the East coast, you will go to like Levitt Town, Long Island, and he and Levitt built literally a town of like thirty or forty thousand houses, right? And so by the time by the time it was, um, I think about nineteen sixty sixty one, he had built over a million houses. Wow! And he sold his company to IT and T for. Something like ninety-five million dollars hmm. in nineteen sixty, uh, like three. So that, anyway, that sounds like a lot in nineteen. That sounds like a lot in twenty twenty-one, let alone nineteen sixty. Yeah, I would. I, yeah, that would get me through the weekend. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe. Right. So so yeah. Well, I'd be buying all these expensive um, yeah. uh, hogs. <laughs> you'd be buying diesel tankers. That's what you'd be buying. Absolutely. And and uh, so so when I looked at what happened in in the Soviet Union, the Soviet Union was roughly fifteen countries, and I, I did an analysis and I said that for this for the former 
for, for the former people of the Soviet Union, for Russia and Latvia, to come to European standards on housing, they need 100 million living units. 100 million to just come to European levels, right? So I created a factory to start to do that. Um, and I actually had the prototype made. Really? And that's when the economy of Latvia collapsed. So I got all of this experience. It doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter how good a captain you are of a ship. If you're a ship, you could be, you could be, um, America Cup quality. Um, and, but when your ship is at port and a tsunami comes in, it's going to the bottom of the bay, period. No matter what you do. And, and that's what Americans don't know. That, I mean, just look at these, these guys in New York City, top restaurants in the world that, you know, they thought they were God's gift to running restaurants. Right. 90% of them are bankrupt because of nothing they did wrong. It had nothing to do with the skill of running a, ba- a restaurant. It had to do with, let's say, what we call a black swan or a really stupid mayor and, and an idiot governor. Um, but, but your entire, you imagine putting 40 years of work into what you love to do and you're the best in the world and some jerk closes it by an edict of government, right? This is a war. That's why you keep on telling. This wasn't an accident. You know, how is it that South Dakota doesn't close down, but New York City gags and mugs you? Uh, speaking of that stupid mayor, he on air called me an uh, activ- activism journalist. Two days really? in a row I had interactions with Bill de Blasio. He he is unbelievable. But that that dist- distracts us from where we need to go. Uh, in Detroit, JC, about 16 years ago, I did a lot of stuff in Michigan. And Detroit has, I don't know what they have today. At that time, they had 40,000 acres that was vacant. So basically 40 square uh, lots or square blocks in downtown Detroit on the outskirts, not downtown, but just in the city limits. And somebody got the great idea to turn those vacant lots, which are mostly warehouse buildings into the food production model that you just described. Yeah. And I did several wonderful pieces about the opportunity 10 years ago, the last, maybe the last time I was in Michigan, I followed up with some of those folks and I said, Hey, can we do a, a follow up to say how that worked? They said, No, we don't want to talk about it. Anyway, what do you mean you don't want to talk about? It? Well, we couldn't make it work. Why couldn't you make it work? We couldn't afford the security to keep people out of the food. And, and I just think uh, there's three examples that come to my mind when you walk through your vision of the future of food production. One was what Detroit, they had the right idea. And I don't know how you, you make that happen. Secondly, you and I have talked briefly about how to write colonies that are all around the, the northern Great Plains. They pretty much do what you've described. They are self-sufficient in food. When a colony gets to 110 people, they branch off, start a new colony. But they continue. They think that 110 people is the optimum number of people living in one colony. They adopt all the technology possible. They're They're, they're just light years ahead. By the way, they are that way because they were kicked out of Germany. They were kicked out of Russia, all for religious persecution, and they stayed together as a, a community. 
And the other one, which I'm trying to bring to our tour, and I'm struggling with this one, is are you familiar with Angola, Louisiana State Penitentiary? Uh, no, I missed that in my career. <laughs> I've been there four times. <laughs> uh, by invite or? Yeah, as a visitor. <laughs> and Angola is a great story. I contacted the warden who's not Warden Burrow Kane that I had relationships with. So we have to start that all over. But it was a plantation. And at the end of the Civil War, plantation owners had a hard time being sustainable. So this family donated the Angola plantation to the state of Louisiana. And it might have been a donation in lieu of taxes. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Anyway, the state of Louisiana acquires this land, 18,000 acres, and they still today have it as a working farm. And I believe that Angola, Louisiana State Penitentiary, is the only self, 100% self-sufficient food prison system in the country. And so they have a rodeo when things are somewhat normal. They have a rodeo in the month of April and in the month of October. And 10,000 people come and watch inmates during the rodeo. It's a fantastic experience for me. I was there four times because a friend of mine was providing horses. But what I was getting at is that your vision of self-sufficiency and food is alive and well there. And you know, the other thing, because I've been very fortunate to interview about 100 inmates, every one of them that I talk to, their goal is to become a trustee within the inmate system because only the trustees get to work on the farm. And they literally have a thousand men in a chain gang every morning hoeing a row. Now, they don't embrace diesel as much as you and I think we should because they're trying to keep these guys busy. But these guys love it because it's some something of a sense of accomplishment. All right. Uh, I have way talked way too much today. I have J.C. Cole on to share his wisdom. And instead, I've been talking. We will follow up and allow him to expand upon those three experiences, which I think are close to his vision. Before I let you go, we are full bore ahead with the Arise USA, the Resurrection Tour, Constitutional Counties, Faith, Family, and Freedom. J.C.'s a big part of that. We might even get him on a bus. Who knows? We'll see what Harley. we can get. <laughs> oh, are you going to ride a Harley with Scott McKay? No, I have to find the Harley first. <laughs> I don't have a Harley either. I have other kind of hogs. You know, he educated me yesterday about why we're, we call them hogs. Do you know why we call them hogs? Well, yes, of course. The Harley organizational group. You details. Yeah, now I do. All right. Loosetails.blogspot.com for full details. We'll be back with the last segment of Rural Ride after this. Hang on, Jason. Go ahead, Welcome back, Rural Route, Trent Lewis alongside J.C. Cole joining us from New Jersey. Because I got distracted with the hog information that I'm making available, you can go to loosetails.blogspot.com. You can subscribe and uh, keep track of what's going on with our tour. Also, bigbatusa.org. Robert David Steele does a great job keeping everybody abreast of what's happening. I don't care where you go. Just get involved. That's the moral of the story. It's about taking back the Republic. Okay. I gave you three examples. Do they kind of fit into your vision of uh, the future of food production? Um, well, they're, they're, they're showing that it's, it's, it's not only possible, it's been done. But what I'm looking at is a, a specific model uh-huh. that uh, can be 
uh, duplicatable very quickly. And, and so, you know, one for like a, a 50 acre farm, one for maybe a, a 200 acre farm, and maybe one for, um, <clears throat> like, um, these shopping malls. And, and my background is real estate development. And so, so the, um, coming up with a, a way to, uh, let the, uh, take these shopping malls and p- turn them into food production. And, and we have all the technology. What we don't have, is the uh, basically the finance. We don't have the political will and we don't have the finance. And of course, this is part of the big issue that we're dealing with. We are in a massive fight for control over a control system. Mm-hmm. When food gets into the control of the people, then uh, let, let's say um, uh, the, the, the federal government loses a lot of ability to manipulate. Um, and so if you read my article, I just put up an article uh, yesterday called um, Dead Russians. And I had used that as a catchy term to get people to read it. But it basically shows that that um, there are certain bloodlines in this world that have created more death than any any others. Putin is now aware of it, and he's not going to let it happen again in Ukraine. And, and and so that those bloodlines have controlled us in many different ways. One is banking, and another one is food, a third one is energy. And and I can go and describe them all um, on how they controlled us. And so breaking free is if we create our own food in our own communities. And and um the model to do that quickly is what I'm working on. Funny uh, about this timing where, where you and I have been flirting with this conversation for two months. But yesterday, I'm driving through Grand Island, Nebraska on a honeydew project. And I see this shopping mall that clearly is not going to be a shopping mall anymore. Uh, there's a couple name brand franchises that have, have left there. And I, I, my thought was, what are they going to do with this this valuable building? Who's going to come in there? Who's going to take it over? And now you're creating this vision in my head that there could be a tremendous amount of food grown in that shopping mall. Absolutely. And and that would put it in local control. And in local control, you have a direct relationship between the customer and let's call it the farmer or right. the manager. So that, the you know, somebody comes in and goes, look, I want more arugula. Right? And the guy reacts right now, go to Monsanto and say, well, I want uh, organic seeds. Uh, you know, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And and uh, so we're 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 controlled by big agra who captured parts of our our government. I don't have to tell farmers that. But but and this is this is actually a fascist model. And this comes back to the to, you know, reading Jim Mars book. This is part of the battle that's going on. And we're in a very dangerous situation because almost none of us actually have everything we need to keep producing. That's why I keep on saying to the farmers, sit down, make a list of what you need working and, and then, and then, you know, acquire that. And of course the, the, the first one is a generator and, um, 
and, and diesel. And as we saw when Texas got knocked out, you know, you had farmers like in uh, Nebraska or, or, or north in Wisconsin that didn't have electricity to run their machines. And it's like, how could you guys not have electricity? I mean, I've got like three generators. Of course, I might be a little paranoid and, <laughs> and, and I've had experience where they just turn things off. Uh, JC, just to interrupt you for a moment because one of the other concepts that came up at that meeting, the Lignite Energy Council meeting, which was perfectly time for me to be at, was that we did experience rolling blackouts. We knew they were coming in Nebraska. And North Dakota did as well. The entire Great Plains did to help out Texas. But the sentiment, and I never thought about it, but I, I definitely see it after he mentioned it. The sentiment was that, uh, look, I have a badge of honor. I survived the rolling blackout. But what did anybody do to change for the next time? And the next time it might be more than three hours. It might be 30 days. It might be three months. It might be three years. Yeah. But it, it, everybody fell into this this lapsed mode of saying, oh, look, we, we handled this rolling blackout, no problem. And then they say something really dumb, like, oh, this will never happen again. But what, what part of history did you not read? You know, so, you know, here in the East Coast, we had um, Hurricane Sandy come through and really give a, quite the bitch slap. And so I had prepared for it and everything. And, you know, New Jersey and Long Island got knocked out of electricity. So I actually got up, walked, and started the generator. And that was it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was the hardship that we had on our farm. Everybody else was knocked out of electricity. And I go, you don't have backup power? What's wrong with you people? Well, it was always there. Well, guess what? And now, if you look. It only takes the destruction of nine key substations and the entire grid of the United States goes down. And it won't come back up for a very long time. Uh, by the way, that same presentation I keep referencing, we were four minutes away from that happening in February. Yeah. Four and minutes. Four minutes. Now, now, if you talk with the civil engineers, which is what? I was educated as. And if you look at the book, like when technology fails, if our power goes out for a year mm -hmm. and that can easily happen because we no longer make those large transformers. When that transformer, uh, the 600 kilovolt uh, transformer, those, those massive transformers, when they, they take a year to make, well, all you have to do is take out nine of them and and we won't have electricity for a year. And it's estimated that 90% of Americans die from lack of food, lack of water, hygiene. That reminds me, yesterday I brought up, and I just need to go find the research document to verify this, of the 10 largest human causes of death. I'm including Stalin, uh, Mussolini. I, um, the crown and the potato famine of Ireland with a million people. There was only one of the top 10 that was, uh, mother nature. The other nine were political. Yes. If you, if you look, you'll find, uh, uh, University of Hawaii did a study 
and um, and showed that the greatest that over the 20, uh, 20th century, um, uh, something like 240 million people were killed by government. Yeah. And, and, and the, the worst killer of humanity is famine. Um, yeah, everybody wants to think about Hitler and gas chambers, but Mousy Tongue starves 100 million people. That's a, yeah. a that's a death. That's a painful. That's a t- terribly cruel death. Starvation, and and what what's just simply stunning is we are positioned that that could happen very simply. Mm-hmm. What just one cyber attack, and our our uh, supply chains shut down, and you have the beef. And I have the chickens. So we have a problem here. <laughs> I, I, I have bacon to go with my beef. I'm I'm coming over. <laughs> and I also have a horse steak if things go really haywire. But that, that's um, available too. I live on a horse farm, so we don't bring that part up. <laughs> right? But Europe lives, uh, Europeans often serve horse meat. I've had horse meat in Europe, mm-hmm. but here... You know, Americans fall over in 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 some form of, you know, uh, disbelief and panic. They won't if they're hungry. That part's true, and you know what? So my wife is from Latvia, and grew up during some very very difficult times. I'm not allowed to throw anything out. Nothing. Right. If the bread has mold on it, cut off the the mold, and we don't throw that out. That goes to the chickens, right? And yeah. I can't, I, I can't throw out a paper towel. That thing's got to be dead, <laughs> you know, before before I have permission to throw it out, you know. And, and it, we you don't, just, you don't recycle your toilet paper, though, right, JC? Well, it has two sides. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I read it in a prepper magazine. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. Well, we're in our final minute. What's our profound parting wisdom today? One, get knowledge. Get the get the book. When technology fails, get another book called um, uh, "Dare to Prepare" by Holly Dayo. It, those are the two best books. Um, and and you know, look at your own situation and see what you need to survive if the if the um, the supply chain breaks. It's that simple. Uh, do you recommend LP or diesel? Does it matter? That's what you have access um, to, right? Actually, both. You know, I oh, back diesel. to that diversity. I prefer diesel because I was in the land where there wasn't anything, and you could go and find it. It's very hard to go and find LP, um, um, uh, but you know, diesel you can get to a truck stop, and you just bribe a bribe a trucker to give you five gallons. I had a friend who had a 300 gallon tank, LP tank in the back of his pickup and ran it on LP. And that, that, that's true. Yeah. Just don't get in an accident. <laughs> I never thought of that. We have six. Wait a minute. It doesn't really matter if you're in an accident with 50 gallon of gas or diesel or LP. No, no. It gas, does matter. Gas, <laughs> gas will go a little quicker, I think. Right. right. You can outrun the, the diesel flame. 
but you can't outrun the LP explosion. <laughs> We've journeyed down the road connecting rural and urban America for J.C. Coltrant Lewis. We both remind you that all roads do lead to a roll route. 